The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we're back. Episode 1 of 2023, your DFS preview for this week's Century Tournament of Champions. We are moving. Sia Najad is here. Sia, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. My long love affair that I have every four or five months during football season is coming to an end slowly. And we're having this golf rebirth. By the way, it's an open relationship. I'm not cheating on anybody. This is really exciting. I can't wait. I don't get what everybody likes about football. <laughs> That's got to be like sarcasm, right? I mean, it's like kind of sarcasm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's like kind of a bit. I get what everyone's saying, but yes, it's it's true. For four for four months, uh, go, football gets to be kind of the, the the big boy that everybody talks about, but not not so much anymore, Greg Ducharme, because it's Maui week. It's not only Maui week, Rick, but it, I mean, this is so exciting. Look, I, I'm looking at this field. And I'm going through all the research and looking at all the players and it is on. It's unbelievable. This is going to be from January, from this week, from right now until the, uh, the FedEx, the tour championship, this is going to be a jam packed year. And then after tour championship, we have Ryder cup. I, I mean, it is so cool what we have going on this year. Uh, and it's starting off with, the, probably the best tour, cha- uh, the best century tournament of champions field that I can remember. Well, I mentioned like we're back at it. That means six days a week. So I did some quick napkin math. Sia, I think over the next 252 days, we're going to produce about 216 episodes, uh, nearly every single day from now until yeah. Post Ryder cup. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And this is something we highlighted at the First Cut podcast. Almost not not every show, but but every so often we were like, hey, this is the only golf show that you're going to be able to see on a pretty much a daily basis. And I think that's a really unique feature here. We don't you know, we talk DFS today. We talk bets. We talk so many different things, including uh, recaps after each day. I I think this is really like a one stop shop, which, which makes it a really cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, so the cadence uh, looks as follows. Mondays are your DFS previews. Tuesdays, those are your mega preview pods, your storylines, your betting previews. You are one and done, Greg. We'll talk about that in just a second. And then uh, after every single round, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or when we get to Torrey Pines and it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, round by round recaps. That That's that's coming from very few places. I think the number of places that's coming from is, is one. Yeah, and it is um it, it's well worth it. It's so fun and it's so amazing that there's real stuff to talk about every single time. Right? We're, I mean, it feels like a lot. You know, people ask me sometimes, you know, out on the street, people I know. These aren't people strangers. Stop you on the street. No, th- and these say, are, are people you I know. Greg Ducharme? <laughs> I, I tell I tell them about it. And they say <laughs> No, it's not at any grocery store. I did go to the grocery store by the way. Whoa! Uh, what 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 went wrong? How, how did you, how did you end up at a grocery store? What disaster uh, right. occurred? 
I'll tell, I'll keep this quick because we have a lot to talk about. But uh, I pulled in. The parking lot pulled out. was total mayhem. Okay, it was mayhem. I parked as far away as I could, and there were there was were two spots next to each other. I like to park where there's no other cars around me. me too. I will park far. I don't like to look for the closest spot. I park where I have the most space. Preach, also, baby. you got car seats, right? I got kid. I'm gonna. It, I mean, I am door ding central <laughs> if, in a jam parking lot. So we go in. This is uh, my one son was at camp. So it was three of us. And when you walk in the door of this grocery store, there was legitimately traffic, grocery cart traffic. <laughs> and I was right. As soon as you walk in, you could barely get in. And there's a way to, there's another way to go. Everybody's trying to go down the same. I'm, what, what are these, what are you doing? Go around, you know, so I dart around and we had to get like four things and it took forever. I said, I'm never, I'm, I might never come back. I mean, this is what you're describing is why, why when I go to a PGA tour event, I walk the course from 18 to 17 to 16 to 50 because everyone walks it in the other direction. What are these people doing? I mean, you're all going the same way. You're, you're going to, somebody's going to get hurt. Right. And, and you're not going to like, you can't move. There's nothing worse than unintentionally standing still. And the only thing worse is sitting still in, in a car, but lines are not for me. And you, he, you bring up a good point though, because a lot of people sorry to cut you off. They, they go to the right. They start in the right where like the produce is. You don't need to do that. You can just, you can just swing a left and do like you'll see those aisles are kind of freed up. Um, this is actually really good advice. Very good practical advice from Greg. Nowhere else are you getting this this level of this mm-hmm. level of content. Also, I'm not sure I'm allowed to announce it or say it yet, but like we're gonna have some people on site at places this year, right? Remember, remember, Greg, when we were at Brookline and how nice that was to look into each other's eyes and do a podcast. How could I? How could I forget? That's right. It was we, I, we have one of those digital frames and it's funny you mentioned that because there's a picture of you and I <laughs> uh, with our with our CBS microphones. I love that. And we're having a great time and it popped up the other day. It, it I'll never forget it. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll try to get as many boots on the ground as possible this year. Sorry, see ya. <laughs> it's all good. I'm, I'm a little jealous though. I got to be honest. Oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll figure out a way to make everything come together. Also, phew, boy, we got a lot to cover. So the one and done, the, the notorious, illustrious one and done, Sia, uh, starts this week. So the fans, as they did last year, are going to be able to participate yet again. Um, so what we'll do, I'm trying to get in, in contact with Elijah who did the forms for us last year. It was very, very helpful and very, very handy. I'm hoping he is out there listening. Elijah, would you like to do the forms again? That'd be very nice. Uh, but we'll get those forms out. The fans can participate. We're all going to participate. See ya. And how about this? We have, we have a second Kyle this year uh, because the guy who won the auction for the spot in the one and done where the money went to St. Jude, I've made contact with him. Uh, his name is Kyle and he's coming on the show tomorrow. Wow. That is awesome. awesome. How about that? It's fantastic. Um, what a cool thing that he did, by the way. Uh, and it's really cool also that that was like an opportunity. Like it was something that was sought after enough to get into the one and done league to you know, donate actual dollars yeah. to, to get in, which is really cool. So I can't wait to hear his thoughts tomorrow. So lots of stuff, uh, obviously happening. The first cut podcast, Twitter at first cut pod, you can get all the information. We'll obviously all retweet it and all that fun stuff and get it out there, but we're rocking and rolling. And the place we start Sia is Maui 39, of the world's best here for the tournament of champions. Roy McElroy not teeing it up, but we kind of knew that. Basically, everybody else is here. Uh, Producer Troy, if we could share my screen, that'd be splendid. Thank you. This is my website, rickrungood.com. Lots of golf data, lots of golf information. You should probably check it out. See, this golf course, very unique. You don't see many courses like the plantation course at Capelo. Yeah. And it, it's like magical, right? It almost like the, from a scenery standpoint, it doesn't even look real. I think this is going to be, especially with the time zone issues, which I, sh- I shouldn't say are issues, but I think this will be really cool to watch on multiple levels because of the time. And go ahead, Rick. Uh, trivia question. What time is it in Hawaii right now? 
I'm guessing, but I'm going to go. Well, Greg, you go first while I stall. 1142. 1142 what? PM. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I have it backwards. Uh, it, it should be 1142 a.m. Okay. See ya. Uh, I think I think he was closer on the first try. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 142 a.m. You guys have no idea how time zones work. First of all, Greg was Wait. much closer. Greg, Greg was assuming, and Greg was almost accurate uh, because they are normally three hours behind the West Coast. However, That's what I was Greg, thinking. I went six hours. Here's the problem. They don't do daylight savings. So it is uh, currently 12.42 p.m. Eastern time. They're two hours behind the West Coast, five hours behind the East Coast. They don't do daylight savings? No, Arizona doesn't do it either. You don't have I, to when it's, it's just always sunny. Yeah, I guess so. I, and in my opinion, you don't have to anytime. So Preach. I'm a, I'm Greg, a we are, you're killing it today, bud, with the takes. I'm a good <laughs> <laughs> It's good Problem to be is, back. You're going to show up at the, the first cut show at like 3.30 every, every time. <laughs> so, so the time zone issues are that it is going to be on basically prime time, Sia, on the East Coast. And we will then record the pods after that. So it's going to be later in the evening for those on the East Coast. Yeah. And how cool. I mean, this, I think from a, just live betting and just watch, you know, cause a lot of people, they have to wake up to, you know, what we're going to do on a normal regular basis is they're, they're waking up to golf. That's already kind of been played. I think this will be really cool to be able to just kind of come home from work or whatever you do during the day and be able to watch golf in prime time. That's super cool. The extreme nature of the plantation course, Greg, I refer, when I say that there's a couple of things that stand out. One, I'm showing the scorecard right now. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a par 73 with only three par threes. You don't see that very often. You also just get a lot of undulation, no flat lies. Uh, you get fairways that are as wide as football fields. You get greens that are like 8,300 square feet on average. You've got elevation. It just is like when you think of Maui, you don't say, oh, that's an extreme location because it's not. It's it's awesome. It's perfect. Same thing every single day. But the plantation course is like kind of extreme. It, it is a- absolutely extreme. It is a dramatic walk. And you'll hear the players talk about this all week. Um, and if you hear from any caddies, they'll tell you it's – the hardest walk on tour because it's not only extremely hilly um, and much like in Augusta national, you're walking across slopes and up slopes and down slopes. There's also some long walks in between uh, in between greens and tees. So it's a really big golf course in every, in in every uh, imaginable way, right? It's big walks. There's some big force carries, which don't really come into play, but you're hitting over some gorges. Um, There's some really cool shots, really cool scenery and dramatic elevation changes off of uneven lies, which is a, really a, a fun way to play golf. There's a lot of different shots. The ball moves on the ground when it's firm and it plays really long when it's soft. So it's a, it, it look, they make a lot of birdies out here. It's a resort golf course. Um, but it is definitely pretty to look at. Yeah. So if you're looking at like the course key stats model on rickrungood.com, you're going to see a lot of those extremes played out in the stats here. Like it says strokes gain putting more important here than any at any other golf course around the green. Second, most important. If you're tapping into your around the green play, you're in big trouble at this course. So you, you take this with a grain of salt. See, I think that um, to me, this is a second shot golf course. There's, you know, distance is fine, but like, as Greg mentioned, everything just kind of rolls out to some of the same, some of the same spots. Accuracy doesn't really matter off the tee. Hit, hit, hit your second shots. Well, roll in some putts, see how many birdies you can make. Totally. And so scoring stats are going to be big approach. Stats are going to be big. I, I do want to ask about driving distance though, because, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of rollout. It doesn't play as long as it sounds, but at the same time, when we look at leaderboards and I, and I saw somebody, it might've been PJ splits who, who tweeted about this um, earlier this morning, but talking about just looking at the leaderboards over the last few years. And I, I looked at them myself prior to reading this tweet. It did look like it was a lot of really long hitters, a really lot, a lot of long bombers, if you will, that were in the t- inside the top 10. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just wrong about that fact, but it seems to me that the bombers tend to do better than some of the shorter guys. Without uh, knowing, sorry, Greg, without knowing um, what those leaderboards look like or anything like that without in front of me, the problem with this event is you have to normalize all the data because Greg, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you're going to mention, 
these are like 39 of the best golfers in the world. And 39 of the best golfers in the world are generally longer than average. So you're going to get a lot of that. You've got to normalize for, so that's what, that's what I do. I normalize for all the fields and stuff like that. But I, I, cause this event can throw some really wonky stuff out there. Yes, uh, I I totally agree. And Sia, you're not wrong. Um, I go through during you know prior to the week. I look at the last three years and the top ten players and try to get an idea of what they all did. And based on averages of everybody in the top ten, the driving stuff is definitely the the most important. Like the players are ranked the highest when it comes to driving distance and driving accuracy entering this event. So and and the other odd thing about it is you're talking about the fall some players haven't played a lot some players in some years haven't played at all um uh, three years ago in 2019 you had half the top 10 didn't play an event in the fall (laughs) in 2020 on the other hand you had major championships it was a really good look but um but the the driver strokes gain off the tee and driving distance those two things definitely play out to be the most important but to rick's point so many of the guys in this field are really strong in that area because so many of the guys that are strong in those areas win golf tournaments on the PGA tour. So you kind of have to um, feel it out, but I, I would not look past distance, but I would also take it with a grain of salt. Di- t- to me, to put a bow, distance is always an advantage, right? No matter where you always. are, it's, it's it's always an advantage. Um, some of the shorter hitters are going to have drives that are like 370 yards this week because they're just yep. going to hit the right spot in the fairway. It's going to roll out to the bottom of the hill, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's it's never going to hurt you if you're long. Let's jump into some actual players here, and we'll go through tier by tier, 10Ks down to the 6K range. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. Uh, the $10,000 range, uh, the price, if you go look at DraftKings, see, there's three golfers in the 10K range, but uh, Roy McIlroy, obviously not teeing it up. I, I uh, Don't get me started on this. Scotty Scheffler, $10,300. John Rahm, $10,000. That's it. Two golfers. Where do you want to start? Yeah, so I, it, this really just comes down to how you want to do your build. I mean, obviously, these are the top two golfers. I, I think with a tournament that's only, what is it, 39 deep now without Roy, is that accurate? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, I think with 39 golfers, you really got to get a little clever. This is not your typical, even it's not even your typical no cut event, let alone cut event. So I like both of these guys. I mean, if I have to pick between the two, I think conventional wisdom would point you toward John Rahm for, because he's just doing everything right. Whereas Scotty Scheffler, you do have something that you can criticize. And that is obviously the putter. Uh, again, John Rahm, he's probably going to be a really popular play and rightfully so he checks every box. And I think this is, I'm, I might've mentioned this last time we were on, which again was probably like four or five weeks ago, but it, it seems like this might be the year for me. This seems like this might be the year for John Rahm to just put himself back into the top spot, you know, for whether, whether we're talking about the FedEx cup or anything else. I just think this is a guy that looks like he's ready. He's kind of plugged the short game issues. He's gained seven strokes or more putting on uh, three of his last five measured starts. He's got the two wins in, in Europe after the tour championship. So, Greg, if you're just one of these guys who flips on the PGA Tour and then kind of checks out for football season and comes back, you're probably not getting the full picture of how good John Rahm has been globally. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. But I, that is accurate. But here's the question that I have. Um, is John Rom like if you're just the general public and you look at John Rom's record here, he's never finished outside the top 10. 
it's a phenomenal record. Uh, and he was second last year um, and, and shot 33 under, right? I mean, he played phenomenal golf. Um, you have uh, three top tens in a row before that and another second place in 2018 in his first. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very curious. I don't know what ownership is going to be like for John Rahm. My guess would be very high. Um, and, and I think players are going to, DFS players, are going to go go towards John Rahm. Um, whereas Scotty Scheffler was on such a high earlier in the year, does the general public think he's kind of been uh, on the skids a little bit? Which, if you look at it, of course, there's a putting issue, as Sia mentioned, but I, I think it's far, far from the the skids for Scotty Scheffler. So I, if, if ownership goes heavy to John Rahm, I'm happy to play Scotty, and I'm happy to skip this range altogether. Uh, and that will be a... You know, an interesting. I'd like to see what kind of ownership projections we get. Uh, but John Rahm is the obvious play here if ownership isn't crazy high. But Scotty's ball striking is—he's proven to me that it's enough to be a, a viable option, regardless of what happens with the putter. It seems like the putter is the key for him to win the tournament. Um, and and definitely not the key for him to contend and play well and earn a lot of DFS points. Right. So that's kind of what's happening here, right? This this really bad, I mean, really bad by his own standard putting stretch for Scotty Scheffler uh, has not resulted in a victory, but it's got a couple of runner-up finishes, a bunch of top tens because his tee to green play has been so good. He's also a dart thrower. So here's here's a couple of more stats we can throw at it this year. Opportunities, those are birdie putts within 15 feet. Plus opportunities, those are birdie putts within 10 feet. Scotty Scheffler, last 36 rounds, better than anybody on plus opportunities, has given himself a lot of darts. Second to only uh, Tom Hoagie in standard opportunities, 15 feet or in. So he's giving himself a lot of opportunities. He's just going to have to start rolling it in eventually. Yeah, and I could see that being a, a factor here. You also think about this course. I already compared it to in the slopes to Augusta National. Right. Scotty obviously played pretty well at the Masters last year. <laughs> I've heard. Um, yeah. and, and I know that it's a different test. I'm not comparing the two golf courses, but there is this kind of creative, imaginative uh, style that seems to play out really well here. You hit it high, you hit it low if it's windy. You, you understand how to operate on these uneven lies and I, there are uh very few better than scotty in the, in the game um when it comes to those kind of things so i i could see this being a perfect fit for scotty scheffler uh, and my hope is that some people stop, shy away because they're worried about the putter or, or what have you and in that case i'm i'll, I'll jump all over it the nines Absolutely jam-packed. Justin Thomas, $9,900. He's got four consecutive top five finishes here. Patrick Cantlay, 97. Xander Shoffley, 95. Colin Morikawa is 94. Then we round this whole thing out with Tony Finau, one of the hottest players on the planet, 9,300. And Matt Fitzpatrick, speaking of guys who never stopped playing golf, he never stopped playing golf. He's 9,100. So see, uh, big names here for just a little bit cheaper than those guys at the top. Yeah, there's so much to like here. I'll start with Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. I mean, I like them both. Uh, Cantley's results. I mean, both of their results have been really, really good here. Uh, there's not a lot for me to criticize with either of them, although Cantley hasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, he hasn't played much lately at all, right? He's been on a bit of a Not break. since the Shriners. Yeah. Since okay. the, the 72nd hole debacle that ended in a, a runner-up finish at the Shriners. Right. That's right. So, I mean, I guess that would be the the one strike against him, if you even want to call that a strike, just the lack of competitive golf. But I'm not going to – that's not a strike for me. So, for me, it's Cantlay, it's Xander Schauffele. And the, the other guy I like, and you mentioned him, is Matt Fitzpatrick. I mean, he like, again, he does everything well to the extent you want distance here. Matt, Fats, Matt Fitzpatrick, for those of you that don't know, has certainly added distance to his game. But he does everything well, from the short game to the approach game to off the tee. You know, looking at his approach on if you're watching us on YouTube, it's it's not as solid, perhaps, as as I as some of the guys that are in this range or in the 10K range. But I think Matt Fitzpatrick is a nice little value at 9,100. I don't know from an ownership standpoint. I don't know where he's will be sort of slotted compared to some of these other big names in the 9K range. But I would imagine he'd be, you know, on the more popular side. 
probably an opportunity to talk about um, experience, Greg. You mentioned it's kind of a creative course. You kind of maybe have to see the lines. Fitzpatrick going to be making his debut. There's another guy we're going to get to in a second, Tom Kim, also making his Tournament of Champions debut. They are one and two in strokes gained putting on, on, on Bermuda. So there's kind of this, you know, you've got two guys with really great skill sets, really good surfaces, but they've never seen this course in competition. How, how much do we worry about that? Yeah, I don't worry about it too much. Um, now, there are dramatic shots, but I, I think the players in today's day and age understand how to adjust for elevation pretty quickly. Uh, and they, well, they study hard, but they they don't have to study as hard as you used to. They, they kind of figure it out and they learn pretty quickly. And most of these guys out here, especially those who are playing in this tournament are quick studies. Um, but the interesting thing about the Bermuda thing is these Bermuda greens are typically a lot slower. Uh, yes. And, and that's because they're a lot more undulating. There's a lot of shelves. There's a lot of slope in them and there's wind. So they can't get as fast. You think about a lot of the Bermuda green golf courses in say Florida. And I mean, they're, they are pool tables, but they're, there's not a ton of undulation to them. Uh, you get up to the Wyndham and you get into East Lake and you have some undulation and some speed as well. But most of the time, Bermuda greens are very fast. And in this case, they're very slow. So I, I take that with a grain of salt as well. It's a unique case of Bermuda grass greens. Um, but I, I'm not worried about experience. Not, not really. I'm not really looking into it much. Uh, Greg, I'll bounce this right back to you because I didn't really give you a chance on uh, this 9K range. How would you like to assess this tier? Well, uh, I'm having a really hard time with JT, Cantlay, and Shoffley kind of deciphering between the three. Um, Again, obviously curious how ownership will play out, but I think all three of those guys are very playable options depending on your build. But I also, I, I mean, I, the, the guy that I have circled who I feel like I got to get in my lineup is Tony Fino. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is one that the distance is one thing for sure, but he's played here three times. And if you look at his record here, he has uh, not, he has one top 10. It's a T nine, right? And in a, in an event with less than 40 players, just about every year, it's not really a, great record. He has a T19, a T31, and a T9. But in all three of those events, he lost strokes putting. But if you look at what Tony Finau did entering this event, what he's done recently, it's just the opposite. And so, to me, the thing that has plagued Tony Finau here has been the flat stick, and the flat stick is something that he has really changed and really improved on. And I don't believe it's just a Hot streak. I think it's something that he really figured out and really improved on. So I'm um, I'm very interested to see how Tony Finau plays. I think his game fits the golf course perfectly, and I'm very excited about what he's doing with the putter. He's gained strokes putting in seven straight measured events. Doesn't include the Hero World Challenge where he finished uh, better than the field seventh out of those those twenty players. But yeah, you can kind of see right here around the match play uh, is when he started to click with the flat stick and he was a consistent gainer after that after kind of uh punting a lot of strokes on the green at the at the start of the calendar year so figured something out in march and then obviously the trophies start pouring it right no surprise there no surprise there the eight thousand dollar range more fascinating stuff and then the value at the bottom of the board we'll continue this conversation but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. Ooh, look at these names. Will Zalatoris back in action. We're back. He's back, baby. 8,900. Cam Young, 88. Someone said... Cam Young's great, but how do you get into this field? I thought it was for champions only. No, they ex- they expanded this. Now, if you make the tour championship, you're also in. Tom Kim, 8,700. Max Homa, 86. Victor Hovland, fresh off victory, 85. And then the bottom of this range is Sam Burns, Sungjae Im, Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, and that pesky little Brian Harmon. Sia Najad, the 8Ks are yours. <laughs> I love the potential. By the way, you kept saying back and Will Zalatoris, and I don't know if that was like a dig at his injury. No. Um, herniated discs, is, by the way. Uh, herniated discs, which, by the way, he did not get surgery on those. Is that accurate? You know what's so funny? Greg will know the answer. So here, here, I, I thought he did, and then That's I Googled I it earlier, and I could not find it. I, I don't believe he did. Um, there, there a, is, they don't always need surgery, I've learned. No, it it's kind of I don't want to maybe maybe controversial in the uh in the world of medicine, sports medicine, recovery. But they actually the the tendency for uh this kind of injury is that it, it will heal itself. Mm. Uh, it just it's a matter of how long it takes. So you got to rest. It's time. Yeah. Right, impatient. Is it chronic? There are so many factors that come into play, but they Generally, don't need surgery. Yeah, um, it's it's funny. It's funny we mentioned it because I, I literally tried to find it this morning, and I was like, I, I did too. I couldn't find a record of it. And yeah. to me, it's it, well. So he didn't have surgery because so th- it is controversial, Greg. I'll, I'll just kind of lean just for a second, a little aside here on my legal experience because I was a trial attorney for thirteen years. Still, still an attorney. I just don't practice anymore, as you all know. And I poured over a lot of medical records over my time, whether it was preparing for depositions or preparing for trials. And a lot of them had to do with medical records. And herniations are kind of a big deal. The thing is, the controversy behind them is how to treat them. And also there's controversy in how to name them, because some herniations are deemed bulges by some doctors and they're deemed herniations Mm -hmm. by others. And those are two completely different things. To me, if you have multiple herniations, which he did, again, I don't want to make this like a medical opinion, but those usually get treated with invasively with surgery. So I, to me, maybe the back injury isn't as serious as we thought because he's able to rehab it without it. So that would be kind of a check in his box in terms of me being fearful of it. But man, if you have herniations, it seems to me like you would you would be getting that fixed in the area in his lower back in the area where he had them. But that's sort of go ahead, Rick. I was just going to say just to, so we can remember what what Will Zalatoris did. He won in Memphis before withdrawing in Wilmington at the BMW and champ uh, BMW championship three starts before that. It was three straight top 28. So he was playing well at the time that all this kind of happened. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for me, because I know he's been doing some rehab and for the record, for, for whatever it's worth, he got married, I believe, like four weeks ago. So, I, you know, th- there's a few guys that got married within the last four or six weeks. That was some. Is that, like, that going to help? Is that going to help or hurt? That's going to hurt. It's, it's a distraction. Just like having kids is a distraction. Listen, like these uh, are things still in the that, honeymoon phase. They're still in the honeymoon phase. But it's not about. No. So that's the thing with kids is it's a different analysis with kids and marriage. I'm not saying he's like, like it's bad to be married. I'm saying it's a distraction. It takes you away from your game. You got to prepare for weddings. You got to do so many things. And he's rehabbing his back for the record. Just in the last six weeks, Sung J.M., Will Zalatoris, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas have gotten married. I think that's weird that they all just got married at the same time. There might have even been more. It's the off season, see it. It's not weird. This is what golfers do. It's the off right. season. You're not I getting get married it. in June. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting married the week of the U.S. Open. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Just uh, still, there's only 39 people in this field and four superstars got married within like three weeks of each other. The point is, I'm not going to be on on Will Zalatoris. The guys I like in this range, I like Cameron Young a lot. I just love his upside. I love his potential. His stats are a little checkered here as we you know, compared to some of the guys in this range, I should say, as we pull this up on um, rickrungood.com. But I just love the game here. I, I, I love what he can do on approach. The putter can get hot and cold with him. Not a problem there. I like Victor Hovland a lot too. 
what's not to like. I think Sam Burns profiles well for this course, especially because he's so inaccurate off the tee. That's not going to hurt him here. And we know he can fire at pins. We know he can score. The, the guys I like the most are probably Cameron Young and Victor Hovland. And then, I, you know, second place for me, silver medal for me is probably Tom Kim and Max Homa. Sia said the magic word. He said upside uh, when he was talking about Cam Young. Cam Young, last 50 rounds, has gained five or more strokes 14% of the time. The only guy better than that, Tony Finau, who's done it 16% of the time. That probably includes two, maybe three, probably two wins for Tony in his last 50 rounds. So that is absolutely legit. Like the high upside guys over the last 50 rounds are Tony Finau, Cam Young, John Ron, Patrick Cantlay, Will Zalatoris. That's a pretty good group to be in. And you know, the other thing about him, because Cam Young is, uh, of course, on my list as well. Um, he, this is, this has a tendency of turning it into a birdie fest, uh, but it can also play difficult if it gets windy. I mean, it, you're not going to see anything close to even par. It's not that kind of difficulty. But it can play a, ver- a different variety of, of difficulty based on the weather. And, and I, I love that Cam Young has the ability to adjust to all different kinds of tournaments, all different locations, all different styles. He's had success at all of them. I mean, everywhere from Scotland to, uh, uh, you know, at, at the Open Championship it, on a really Harbor task golf course. Harbor Town, he played great. Harbor Town, he plays great. He plays great at the Genesis at Riviera. Uh, he plays great at, what was it, the Sanderson Farms or something, you know, in, yeah. in Mississippi. Like at every corner of the country, D.C. in the rain. When when Cam Young, um, he's shown that he can handle all different kinds of circumstances. And you combine that with this upside, I to me, it's a no-brainer. Where else would you want to go, Greg, if it's not uh, Cam Young? Okay, this is my second choice is yeah. not on Sia's list. Uh, well, not the list he just named, but he is on another list Sia mentioned, which is the marriage list. Sungjae. Yes. <laughs> Sungjae M. Uh, I love, one, I love his record here. Uh, he's got a T8 last year, uh, T5 the year before that. Two, um, I love what Sungjae can do with his iron play. His proximity to the hole is lethal. And I love what Sung JM does off the tee. So when I was looking at guys who finished in the top 10 in this event, the thread for me was really, really long stretches of strokes gained off the tee. Like that, like the one thing that stood out to me and you could throw every grain of salt you want into it leading into this event, guys who finish in the top 10 have a great track record off the tee. And Sung Jay has been, uh, he's had it on a string off the tee and I know you can hit it everywhere. I know there's, I know all those points are valid, but I've noticed that really strong drivers of the ball have success here. Uh, and and that's not all Sungjae's leaning on, which also helps. 14 straight events, he's gained strokes off the tee. Get Hayden Buckley in this field. I think he's at 17 right now. Get him in oh, this field. I would love to see that because that guy can strike. I can't wait to see what Hayden does this year. It's going to be massive. His, his approach game was pretty good too. Real Pretty quick, though, Sungjae's not a long hitter, right? I know off the tee is a combination of, of a couple different things, but th- this pristine record off the tee, it's not because of distance. He's 40, 47th in driving distance oh, that's out not of bad. 215-ish. Not b- long, that's what I would call long enough. Yeah, no, that's longer than I thought. I thought he'd be in more like the 75-ish range. Fair enough. Yep. Pretty Which good. in today's day and age, honestly, 75th is long enough, too. They're they're just piling up there. But I love the game. I love seeing the gains. So yeah, uh Sung Jay is one of my favorite plays of the week. Real quick, I am marveling at how you are navigating brickrungood.com right now. Thank Rick. you. There, there's so much like more content that I, I have yet to discover on this website. Yeah, that you're just some... kind of flashing for like a five seconds at a time. This is <laughs> truly intriguing. Yeah, I've made some updates in the offseason and I've I've I injected a lot more data. So I'm like trying to make sure, you know, I could I can get through all of it and give the little nuggets as we go through. Damn show off. So, yes. we'll Here's Victor. Um won the Hero World Challenge. And Greg, I'll bounce this back to you because I think this is a discussion we had around the open championship. This concept of large greens and greens that I mean the 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 green and regulation percentage at the plantation course is like 85%. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's off the charts. Just absolutely removes 
the weakest part of Victor's game. Now, it might not lend its, I mean, these wide fairways where he, you know, he probably prefers long and narrow where he can kind of extend there. But there, I believe there is kind of something to slower undulating greens might be a little bit easier to read slower greens can kind of give you a little bit of margin for error. He's not going to have to chip. He's not going to have to pitch as much. Like, am, am I onto something here? Absolutely. And here's the other thing. Think about the courses that Vic has had great <laughs> success on. Yeah. Right. What kind of greens are they? Uh, typically pass palum. Now the one difference is they're usually not as slopey, but my favorite aspect uh, for Victor this week is believe it or not, his aggressive style with the iron. I mean, he's, he leaves no flag no. on a, a, you know, n- there's no mercy on the flag <laughs> stick when no. he's got the golf club in his hands. He hits it right at it. And these greens, as big as they are, they're also sectioned. So you got to get it into the right area to, you know, access those really good opportunities. And Victor absolutely checks that box. $8,500 uh, for Victor, right in the middle of that range. Anybody else that we need to talk about in the eights before we... I mean, we didn't even talk about Tom Kim. Tom Kim's won twice in his last like seven starts. Max Homa, talk about brand new perspective from, from it's Max. A strong, it's a strong range. It's a really strong range, right? Is there anything before I... before? I yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned Tom Kim and Max Homa. I mean, I didn't talk much about them. I mean, obviously, you know, not a lot of experience, particularly from any experience from Tom Kim. Uh, I love him. I mean, I, I, I think the distance part might have his ownership just conventionally, I might have his ownership a little lower than it should be. And the fact that he's never played this course. I think a couple interesting names, though, and, and as I know we see it here. The ball striking is just it's absolutely insane. Stupid it's good. Disturbing. I, I think there's like there are three guys that I am very curious to see how they play. Uh, and it's Fitzpatrick, Kim and Homa. Mm-hmm. And in that group, those three guys are somewhat comparable to me. They're great ball strikers and they're great drivers of the golf ball, but they don't necessarily, you know, blow you away with distance. And is is that going to play here? I think it has a really good chance to, I mean, I don't know which one I like most, but I could see, you know, someone like Tom Kim, who's such a good long iron player. I, I mean, I could see distance being a, you know, minuscule disadvantage for him. One thing to note is we just went through almost the entire 8K range and we even went through it with the thought of, hey, we probably forgot some people. And we didn't even mention Jordan Spieth or Hideki Matsuyama, Yeah, I just find really interesting. And I, I don't want to play them either, but it's just interesting. None of us brought them up. People generally aren't going to want to pl- play those guys. And I just wonder if that is maybe the edge from an ownership standpoint. Listen, I, I don't want to play them either, but you got to get a little clever and creative from an ownership standpoint in a 39 person field. And I just wonder if those guys get overlooked enough to actually have an advantage to be to, to play them. What's Hideki's deal? I mean, he did not have a good 2022. Um, Spieth at least gave us like the 5-0 and 0 at the President's Cup, right? And like gave us that moment, but he also hasn't been very good. These mm-hmm. are two kind of bizarre situations. Yeah. And that's the hardest part for me is the difficulty to read it. <laughs> Um, I mean, Hideki has played really well here before, not the last two trips, but before that, I mean, he's, he's got a strong record. He's finished second. He's finished tied third. He's finished fourth. Um, so look, the, the problem for me with these guys is you're guessing to a degree, yeah. which I understand that play when, when it comes to game theory, like CEO was just talking about, but when it comes to the analysis, I, I don't really like guessing where somebody is going to be at after a break. The one other thing, Rick, real quick that I'll mention is I think there is a sort of a, a talent gap, perhaps at that 8,300 level, or maybe you want to include Spieth and Hideki there. I mean, that certainly would make sense. It's just their recent form that is the only reason I'm bridging the gap there. But you know, when you look at this, because because we talked about during the, the fall swing, and Rick, I know you had a couple of podcasts on this, where just from a betting standpoint, it's those top guys that tend to win. It's, the, it's like, this is what's been happening, especially with the live thing happening. Like, we're going to see a lot of these guys at the shorter odds winning. What's really interesting from building a lineup from a DFS standpoint is that, to me, 
There's not a huge gap. Listen, of course you can put Scotty and John Rahm in, in a tier of their own. I get it. But there's not a huge gap from 10,300 to 8,300 in my opinion. I think the upside begins at 8,300 in terms of percentage chance to win a tournament. I understand it's, it's a sliding scale, but Matt Fitzpatrick at 9,100, Cameron Young at 8,800, uh, Victor Hovland at 8,500, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm all the way up at the top. My point in saying all of this is you can build your lineup in such a way where balance is still building with elite, elite guys that can win. So it's just something to think about. You don't have to jam in, you know, the 10K guy or a couple high 9K guys if you don't want to. You can kind of just be different because, you know, that's what all, all everybody else is doing. Strokes gained Hawaii. That would be Century Tournament of Champions, Sony Open. I was trying to cherry pick the best I could for for Hideki. I think I got it. Last eight years, so back to 2016, uh, there are two golfers who have played at least, uh, call it 30 rounds in Hawaii and have gained at least a stroke per round. One, Justin Thomas, handful of wins, and Hideki Matsuyama is the other one. Uh, the win at the Sony last year, a couple of good finishes here. That That's where we're building from. It helps. That's strokes for sure. Gained, strokes gained... Uh, I was trying to think of something better than Hawaii, but I couldn't think of it. But uh, Aloha? Stroke, hey, there you go. Strokes gained Aloha. Yeah, there we go. Now we're cooking with gas. The sevens. This is where I do think there is kind of like a drop-off in this field, right? Like anybody mm-hmm. in the 8K can win it. The sevens, maybe I have some question marks. Billy Horschel, Corey Connors, Russell Henley, Adam Scott, Keegan Bradley. That's the top half. Bottom half, Aaron Wise, Sahith Tagala, Seamus Power, Sepp Straka, KH Lee. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is, Greg. We'll just we'll just start with you. So this is, you know, the talent drop off is interesting because obviously most of these guys won last year, but uh, and and they have the potential. But these are guys we typically like when we see signs, right? We see Aaron Wise play well for ten events in a row, and we jump on board. But above that, you have the guys, many of whom we just talked about, where it. You know, it it doesn't matter how long they take off. We expect great things from them because that's what they've shown us in the past. So I think there's a lot of potential here. But this is also where it starts to feel like, you know, I may like a guy, but he might come in last. There's that. uh, The other side of the equation is much more in play down here. That being said, I think my favorite play in the 7K range is Keegan Bradley. Yeah, mine too, by the way. Surprisingly, um, sorry. Oh, Keegan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in Keegan. One, I, I really like what I'm seeing off the tee with him. Uh, it, it, again, it's that long streak off the tee. And again, not a deciding factor, but I just, I, I think there's really something to this. When you get down here, there are a lot of guys where the driver starts to slip. Uh, compared to the guys in the uh, higher price ranges. So I love that. I also love what Keegan's done with the putter. I love the confidence that he brings in uh, off the Zozo. I know we haven't seen him in a while, but I have a feeling this could be a really good fit for Keegan. Three starts in the fall. T5 in Jackson. Win at the Zozo. T21 at the CJ Cup. That's that's pretty tough to beat. That's a that's a hell of a fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a phenomenal fall. It's phenomenal. And he and he's gained strokes putting in his last two, at least yeah. two strokes in each one. Uh and he's played well here before too. He came in tied fourth. It was way back in 2013. But um, you know, I, I think I think he may have answered the putting question to some degree. Enough for me to Really like him, especially at seventy five hundred. Here's the real Greg Ducharme trivia question. Uh, so he played this event in twenty thirteen. I I do not know the answer. I will scroll down and find the answer. So Wait, this played, is what? What did he win? To what get did he win it? in twenty twelve to get into this? I don't know the answer, but I'll scroll. Uh, well, I know. I why do I? I feel like it was the AT and T Byron Nelson. So okay, I know for sure he won a playoff event at some point. That was in, I that think was that was more recent. 17. Yeah, that was more recent. That was at Aronimic against Justin Rose. Yeah. So what would he have won in 12? You think it was like a Byron Nelson? Uh, yeah, like it, 
HP was was this was oh, it sponsored by HP or something? That might be the right answer. See, do you have? I, I have zero idea what he wanted. No, Crown that was, Plaza Invitational would be that's another guess. Such a good one, yeah. Or like the Jason oh, Kenny Open. Yeah. No, I, I don't have anything here. But Greg looked at the camera like, yeah, I know my stuff. It was very subtle, but if you rewind like fifteen seconds, I was I was impressive, Greg. The playoff. The <laughs> I know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't um, know what you're talking about. But it tell was me. the WGC FedEx St. Jude. Mm. Oh, wow. That doesn't seem right. August that of 2012. Right. <laughs> so wait, he's won a WGC and a playoff event? So WGC, so that was what? That was the Bridgestone. That was the yeah. Bridgestone then. Yeah. So he, so here you go. So he did win the, the HP Byron Nelson, but it was the year prior. So oh, okay. That was 2011. Then he won the PGA Championship same year. Then he won... WGC if we were doing this podcast in in August of 2012 we would have been like holy crap Keegan Bradley just won three events in 14 months on a WGC and a major yeah and, yeah and and Tiger isn't playing it's all Keegan and mm-hmm. and he's like king of team no putt like let's go <laughs> That's a good. That's a good point. That's Although he could pop back then, he was yeah, pretty, well, really pretty then good they, back then. then. When was the when was the uh, the the ban? When was the like two thousand fourteen or something? Yeah, so we, he we may have start, Some players started early. Yeah, yeah that was like the kind of the last maybe two thousand thirteen. It started to shift. Keegan Bradley gained nine strokes putting at the Genesis in twenty twelve. Wow, and that was the midst of gaining in seven straight events. So he could putt back then. Wow. What a world. Wow. Uh, sorry, see, I think I derailed us there, but I'm looking for 7K golfers that can uh, make an impact on your fantasy lineups this week. And I'm looking to be derailed. I like Keegan Bradley. Part of the reason I like Keegan Bradley is because my assumption is, you know, buttressed up against guys like Adam Scott, Aaron Wise, who's you know obviously a popular name these days to hit the gala. I, I feel like he might get left out a little bit. Now, left out needs to be contextualized. It's a 39 person field. Everybody's going to have some ownership. But I think Keegan is sneaky because I think ownership's going to travel to guys like Adam Scott and Aaron Wise. And for the record, I do like Aaron Wise as well. I just wonder how popular he's going to be at that price. Very solid false swing. Um, we know he can play his weakness. I believe is just the accuracy off the tee, which isn't going to be a problem. His game is super well-rounded. So I think Aaron wise makes a lot of sense, but again, I think he's going to be a little popular, which is why I liked Keegan. Another guy I like that might be a little less popular, maybe who also had a great false swing is Seamus power. So again, I'm trying to get guys that I think have potential, but also might be at least a few percentage points less popular than some of these better names. If you like small sample sizes, Seamus power. Seamus power is for you. Okay. Last 12 rounds, just 12. Don't go to 13. Just, just 12. (laughs) Don't go, don't go any further. Seamus power, best player in this field. (laughs) 2.71 strokes game per round. Better than John Rahm, better than Scotty Scheffler, Greg. It was a win, a win. And then he backed it up with like a T5 and a T3. And and some of it was non. Oh, I guess that's counting strokes gain total. That's just strokes gain total. Okay, so you yeah. do get those events in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, look, it's it's really hard to argue with that. <laughs> you can't uh, argue with the math, Greg. That's actually no, it's factual. You can't. And uh, is there a similarity to Bermuda? Some degree, coastal go, coastal kind of golf course. I know Bermuda's short, and this is extremely long, but. Yeah. You know, it might look similar on TV. Is that worth anything? Yeah, you might say, hey, I'm at another resort. Let me go win this. I, I don't think Seamus Power is a bad play at all. Um, I I mean, you can't argue with the, the last 12-round success. But on a ser- more serious note, he's, he's a really solid player, and I think his game will fit. But I'm, I have one other guy I'm, I'm curious about. Sure. Very curious about. I never get him right. Uh He's right above Seamus Power. What do we think about Sahith? So can I tell you why you never get him right? This is such a good example of like, there's a million ways to get it done in golf or a lot of different ways. So this is why you never get him right because he never gets it. Like, okay, so let's let's look at this together. <laughs> so, so you're saying it's his fault. Yeah, it's 100% <laughs> his fault. So... Uh, let me I'll do the last 36 rounds. That'll, that'll show you what I'm, what I'm looking at here. All right. So strokes gain distribution. He gains five or more strokes to the field as often as Patrick Cantlay does his upside, his ceiling, his ceiling is Patrick Cantlay. He does it 11% of the time. The problem is 
he only gained strokes, any of them at all, like half the time, which means his floor is like JJ Spawn and his ceiling is like Patrick Cantlay. So it is, it's clear why you get him wrong a lot because everybody gets him wrong a lot. All right. Well, that's an interesting conversation. But I wonder, especially Sia, I know you, you, you're you not as worried about the driving accuracy. It seems to be a weakness when I watch him play. Um, it seems like, and, and this would speak to that kind of that high floor and um, or the low floor and high ceiling. Are you what, like, what do you make of that, Sia? I think he's a good play. I mean, I I definitely think he's a good play. I think part of the reason I'm I'm going a different direction, my guess is he's going to be really popular. I think some of these younger guys like Aaron Wise and Sahith Thagala, people just really want to get a piece of those guys and be on the front end of it as opposed to, you know, the back end or the middle. So I, I just think Sahith is probably going to be pretty popular, uh, but I think he's, I think he's a great play. I think this is certainly a, a decent course. The only other guy I want to bring up here who I don't think a lot of people are going to pay attention to, but I noticed him come up on Rick, your list when you were looking at the five plus strokes gain metric, KH Lee is peppered throughout that list. And he is not the conventional player that you would think would be great on this course. But at at a flat 7,000, he's probably going to get relatively ignored. Again, relatively ignored. I think KH Lee is a pretty smart play in this one. Yeah, it's kind of similar. It's like when he plays well, he plays really, really well. Uh, And when he plays poorly, it's just like, well, it's not worth it. Adam Scott was on there too. So we're still in the sevens. Adam Scott um, has flashed a lot of upside as of late. He's 7,600 bucks. So there are are a couple of guys. And I think out of this range, you're, you're looking for someone to pop. And there are a couple of guys that give you that opportunity. Mm-hmm. The sixes, the bottom of the board, Mackenzie Hughes, JT Post, and Scott Stallings. We don't know which one. $6,600. Tom <laughs> Hoagie. You like that? Tom Hoagie, Adam Spenson, Ches Reeve, JJ Spawn, Luke Liz, Trey Molinax, Ryan Bram, Chad Ramey. What event did Chad Ramey win to get into this? The uh, Puerto Rico Open. No, no, no. Corrales, Punta Cana championship he won in the dominican right i think that's right i think yeah i think it was corrales yeah ryan bram won um the barracuda he won uh no he won the puerto rico open trey molinax won the the barracuda trey i I clearly do not know who won the barracuda it was it trey molinax Uh, yes okay i believe i'm not as confident on trey molinax i'm backing off (laughs) do you know which one luke list won we the farmers. Yeah. That was almost a year ago. Come up. Yeah. Okay. So here they are. Um, I think there's 2.5 interesting names. See ya. Okay. Well, one is going to be pretty popular, I think. And that's Tom Hokey. Is that for one of the 2.5? For sure. Yes. Okay. That's, that's a, that's a strong one of the 2.5. Yes. And I do think I know some of your low end golfer preferences. That's not meant to be disrespectful to the people on this list. That's Mackenzie okay. Hughes, is he one of the other ones? Mackenzie Hughes is the other hole. Yes. So we're, okay. we're looking for the half now. Well, okay. So wow. I have Mackenzie Hughes with a question mark next to it. Uh, we'll talk about it. Who, okay. Who's, who's, who's the half? The half. So I, I have a guy I like, and I wonder if he's the half, but I, I don't think he is. The, the guy I like in this range, and I'm hoping this is the guy, because you could be thinking JT Poston, but I'm thinking it's Scott Stallings. We haven't named him. I don't know which Scott Stallings is going to show up. The guy who I, got, accidentally got the invite or the guy that's supposed to get the invite? I think I know the half. Okay. Oh, I know. Go ahead, Greg. Luke List. No, no, it's Trey Mullinax. My no, bad. what? It's, it's Adam Spencer. He's oh, just Spencer. Won. That's a good one. Okay, fair Adam enough. Spencer I overthought it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was too much. Luke List, since that win, has played like twenty events and has just hemorrhaged strokes in like seventeen. He has his best finish in like twenty five starts since the win is it's like t nineteen. It's just go to it's, go to his page and tell okay. me that's not a half. He is Luke half List? good. Half of it's pretty good. Half of it is terrible. I guess, yeah. But like, oh the problem, the problem is what? Like, like half of it's not going to matter, right? Like, we don't care how far he drives it, and yeah. he's obviously like one of the worst putters on the planet. Yeah, you're right. Wow. I'm, you're I'm right. not it playing. Is, it is. It is. Don't it worry. Is half, half good. That's yeah. That's what I was getting at. Anyway, shameful. Mackenzie Hughes was just that, like, I'm just pretty bullish on him long-term. I mean, he had a great fall, right? He had the win at Sanderson. He had 
T23 at the Zozo, T16 in Houston, and he gained strokes at the RSM Classic and missed the cut, which is like a wonky thing that can happen when you have two courses running. So like he didn't even play all that poorly to miss the cut in Sea Island. Like he had a very good fall, uh, a T25 at the Fortnite. Like I just think that he's going to have a better, like one of his best years coming up. And he was kind of gaining a little, he's gaining a little bit of distance too. Um, which is why I had a, a question mark next to him. Do we think that's going to be an issue? I, I could see it. I have, I have my doubts. I'm not. It doesn't seem like a great golf course for him. You know, I I know he won the Sanderson Farms, but I think of Mackenzie Hughes as a guy that does really well when it's really tough. So um, do I. You know, and that's the one thing that kind of holds me back on him. Okay. But Hoagie, I'm all about. You showed the stat earlier yeah, that he crazy. was, right? Yeah. With the dart throwing. He's such a dartist. So so here you go. <laughs> plus plus opportunities. So this is birdie putts 10 feet or closer. He gets four around. Now when you normalize that and say, okay, depending on course difficulty, he actually gains uh, about two-thirds of a plus opportunity per round, which is second to only Scotty Scheffler. So it's just saying he's giving himself a lot of birdie looks, a lot of them. Yeah, and that gives him upside, right? In a, in a 6K sure. range where that talent level, the risk factor definitely goes down. If, if you didn't believe it in the 7K, it definitely does here. And uh, he's got to be the highest upside guy in the 6Ks. Yeah. Also the highest owned guy in the six case. So just yeah. keep that in yeah. mind. He definitely Absolutely. will be, which is why, and this is a secret that I'm only going to tell you to. So come, come closer to, come closer to your earpiece, <laughs> lean forward. It's a bit, uh, Scott Stallings, Scott Stallings, Scott Stallings. That's your pivot off of Tom Hoagie. You're welcome. Everybody. Did he, he can get, get hot. Scott can get hot and we're not that far removed from him getting hot. It was just last summer. August. Well, he was great. And then he like was horrible at the tour championship, but has he played better as of late? Uh, no. Yeah, he's played a little bit better, right? T23 and Sanderson made three cuts after that, or I guess two of them are no cut events. But I mean, it, he was awesome and he almost kind of won in Wilmington and he was awesome during that stretch and then kind of punted at the tour championship, but he's getting it back on track. I don't mind this. I don't mind it either. Um, and I prefer it to like a Ches Reeve. I prefer it to, I probably prefer it to Mackenzie Hughes. Prefer it to JT Poston. I know you like McKenzie. I know you like McKenzie. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna like, I don't so need mad. to go to battle on this. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Of, I kind of like him. All right. Um, I believe so. This this speaking of bits, this one little bit that we've been doing, and and Sia, you've kind of been curating all of these. Is this is this this idea of these strokes gained narratives? Where how would you describe this? People send in lineups based on the location, the sponsor some pop culture reference that's going on, right? How would you describe this? Yeah, there's a tournament every week, as we know, for the next, what did you say, Rec, 34 weeks? 34 right? weeks in a row. And for every tournament, there's, like you said, there's a location, there's a sponsor, there's something you can identify with. And whatever you identify with, with that particular course, a lot of people will make a narrative, they will make a lineup off of whatever that identity is. And so there's a lot of fun lineups that come in week to week. And uh, there are actual lineups that you can play, but I wouldn't advise it. But it's just uh, it's just a fun little thing to kind of um, informalize some of these these golf shows. Right. We have just kind of a fun side of it. And, and you people get really creative. We've had some songs. We've actually raised some money for charity yeah. that spawned from all this, that JJ spawned from all of this. So I think it's actually grown a life of its own. I think that's really cool. So uh, this all happened very quickly this year, and I believe we have one for this week, but I will tell you, it's a good one to have because it's from the GOAT, John Markowski. Uh, do we have that? We do. So if you're looking to figure out like what the, what the heck is a strokes gain narrative, here it is. This is from John. He says, I have a lot of ROM for improvement in 2023. The list is quite ambitious. I want to win a power lifting competition, spawn a Strokes Gain Narrative YouTube channel, guest star on The Young and the Restless, and get a hoagie named after me at Wawa. Happy New Year's, fellas. Happy New Year to you, John. That is a Strokes Gain narrative. If you were paying attention, it's ROM, List, Power, Spawn, Young, and Hoagie rounding out that lineup. And of course, the narrative is the resolution, which I That's love. Right. 
I love the concept. So yeah, he's the goat. You know, he would never miss one. Thanks, John. Happy new year. Yep. Happy new year, John. If you could get a, a hoagie named after you at Wawa, John, I'll be really impressed by that. Epic. That's good stuff. I'll fly back East and get one. If you could make it happen. <laughs> good stuff. All right, gents, yeah. anything, anything else? So we've got mega preview pod tomorrow, which mm, I guess I could just look before I guess. I think it's, um, do we do five Eastern or five thirty Eastern? I think it's five Eastern. I think it's five. Five Eastern mega preview pod. We will tweet out tonight the form for you, the fans, to submit your one and done selection. So, so that you can try to beat us. Good luck with that. And then we'll have uh, both Kyles presumably on tomorrow to discuss the picks and the bets and all that fun stuff, storylines along the way. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? I can't wait for this event. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, you guys invigorate me every time. So I'm fired up. Let's go. Week one I just, of 34. <laughs> I just saw a Twitter interaction that I... So, so, so coach is tweeting out something and someone replied, shove it nerd, which I just thought <laughs> to the coach, which is just like such a great shove it nerd. How about I, I that? didn't expect to hear that. There are a lot of unexpected twists and turns on this first cut episode. Uh, I would not say that to the coach's face. Maybe I would tweet no. at him though. I don't know. Uh, you could right. say that to us. I mean, any, any of us I would are be, way more nerd than coach. I'd be if somebody called me a nerd and told me to shove it i'd be like thank you let's get married i love it. retweet yeah. i'm retweet. on with i'm on with i'm on with coach at 7 30 for uh monday night football and i'm gonna just throw in the word nerd and see if that's <laughs> i'm gonna shove a nerd that's so good <laughs> all right producer troy does all the hard work behind the scenes greg ducharme available at the real gfd sia najad at sia najad and you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut we'll catch you next time 